0: This is the beginning of a new series, Assembly. Uh, If you haven't noticed this or if you haven't heard me talking about it, we have been spending the last few series just talking about some of the absolute pillars of the Christian faith. We did this series called The Greatest, which was about how to become the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus said himself is to serve, to get low and to serve each other. That series was about serving and then we have uh, the series we did the last few weeks called Worship, which we closed out um, with the Song and Story Week. We had not done that in so long. That was so much fun doing Song and Story last week. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope it encouraged you. Uh, worship, this series is about assembly, about what it means and why we assemble together like we do Why do we do this on Sunday mornings? Why do we have small groups? Is it because it's just something we're supposed to do? What does the word say about assembling? Why is it important? We're going to get into that. And then we have two more series uh, coming up after this about the pillars of our faith as believers. We're going to do a giving series, and we're going to do a series on prayer. So by the time it's over, we'll have talked about serving, worship, prayer, gathering, or assembling and worship. So, And it's the one we just did. I've really been enjoying this, and uh, today is going to be no different. Assembly, honestly, it's one of my favorite gifts that we've been given. It's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, I love being here in the house of God with each one of you. Church has just been something, it's been a part of my life as long as I can remember, and I love church. Have I been hurt in church before? Yes. Have people hurt me before? Yes. Has it stopped me from loving church? No, and it breaks my heart when people say I don't go to church. I've been hurt by the church. I, I don't wanna, I don't know if I all the way agree with that. We, we get hurt by people, right? The church is not, um, the church is obviously made of people, but it's also made of imperfect people. Sometimes we get hurt, but when we press through that hurt, Man, we find beautiful, beautiful things. I, I always think about, because I'm a musician, I guess, I always think about this metaphor uh, of guitar strings. Guitars, pianos, or stringed instruments. And boy, you gotta pull those strings tight to get anything that sounds good at all out of those strings. The goal is to get notes and tone out of strings. But unless you put some tension on those strings, all you got is a wobbly, janky mess. It doesn't sound like anything. It sounds like clatter. But when you put these six strings together on a guitar and you pull them tight at just the right amount of tension, you get these six notes that you can use to form chords and to play music. But it's that tension and getting through it that causes the beauty to be able to come through that. And, And just like that in life, assembling together means people, different personalities, different things, imperfect people gathering together, forming a community. And in that, sometimes there's tension. Sadly, sometimes people run away from that tension. But when we press through it, when we press through that tension, we can get to a place where things become really beautiful. I got to tell you, my closest friends, the people I have that are closest to me, we have been through stuff together. Not just tragedy and things like that we can't control. We've been through hard times together where we've hurt each other, offended each other. And then you get together and you talk about it. You can't run from confrontation. Jesus, if you wanna be like Jesus, you better start running towards confrontation because sometimes he didn't just run towards it, he caused it, right? Jesus was not non-confrontational. And if you're okay saying I'm just a non-confrontational person, that is you saying I'm okay being not like Jesus. As a Christian, we have to run towards it, not be afraid of the confrontation, but allow the Holy Spirit within us to help lead us through it. And as we get led through confrontation, your relationships will become more rich. The body overall, I mean, our community becomes more rich, and you get beautiful music getting through some of that tension and allowing the Holy Spirit to work. Sadly, that's why so many Christians don't assemble. Because some type of offense has called tension. But you know what the Bible, the word offense is synonymous with the word trap. Being offended is a trap. And over and over and over again in the word, we get revelation and wisdom from our, man, spiritual leaders, the apostles, the disciples, even Jesus himself, King David in the Old Testament saying, don't fall into the trap of offense. We even hear this, that if we're offended at a person, it's the wrong thing anyway. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but powers, principalities. A human is not your problem, right? Maybe somebody's trying to cause you problems, but you don't have to get offended and fall into that trap. If you're easily offended, that means you easily fall into traps. It's that simple. If you are offended and you run away, you're running away. It's like uh, those bear traps that clamp down on, see them in cartoons mostly. I've never seen a real bear trap. Some of you have. But you know that they catch them and, and you run away with the bear trap hanging on your leg. Man, some of us try to go through life and we just got bear traps all over our bodies. And we're like, well, I don't know why I'm so heavy. Cause you keep falling into a fence. You keep carrying these traps around everywhere. I don't know why everything, I feel like life is moving so slow. You got a hundred pounds of bear traps all over your body. You got to get out of these. You got to get out of this trap of offense. Get through the tension and allow something really, really beautiful to be birthed. There's not one lady in this house that calls themselves mama that hasn't been through a little bit of discomfort and tension in pregnancy to get to the point when you're holding this beautiful life that has been created. You got to get through the hard stuff to get to the really beautiful things. Sadly, there are so many who don't assemble like this because they fell into the trap and they ran away. Preaching to the choir today, right? Because you're actually here, right? But allow this to be a little something that at least stays in your heart because Man, we will always have opportunities to step into offense. Sometimes it's through misunderstandings. Sometimes it's through anything. I mean, if you've been married for any length of time, you know sometimes you can look at your spouse the wrong way, not even know you're looking at him the wrong way. And you can offend somebody. I'm not, I'm not talking about Lisa. I'm talking about me. I can be very easily offended. I have to catch myself. You know, it, it's just... Somehow that resonated through the whole building. You know, it's going to come up again, too. Next time I I, I get a little bit ornery, Lisa's going to be like, are you offended? Are you offended? Yeah, she doesn't do that either. But it's the truth. And there are so many benefits of assembly that we are missing out on when we forsake the assembly because of any reason. Sometimes it's not offense. It's just our schedules. Our schedules are busier than ever. There are more activities than ever. But I'm going to tell you something. If Diane Sullivan, my mama, ever says anything harsh at all, you better listen because it's mostly just the glad game and roses and daisies with my mom. She makes any situation, she'll bring something good out of it. Well, yeah, yeah, that's a horrible haircut, but maybe you'll start a new trend, right? I used to get acne, going to middle school, and she'd be like, oh, people do not like people with completely clear faces. That pimple gives you so much personality. I used to literally look in the mirror and think, that's awesome. I got more personality today than anybody else at school. So when my mama, she does it because anybody seen the movie Pollyanna, this little girl, it's such, it's, it's, a, it's a good movie, but it's just, it's just that classic, Horribly sad, tragic Disney movie that somehow they make you feel like you're watching. So it warms your heart. Like she gets paralyzed or whatever, but she plays the glad game and makes everything happy. And she stays paralyzed, but this whole town ends up playing the glad game with her by the end of the movie. So you might not want to go look for that one and watch it. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a downer. But my mom used to watch it and say, "What a great movie this is!" And she plays the glad game all the time. So if she says anything to you harshly, ever pay attention. Here's one of the harshest things I've ever heard her say. If somebody talks about, I just don't have time for Bible study. I just don't have time to go to church. I don't have time for this or that. She'll just look at you square in your eyes and say, you have time for what's important to you. And do you want to know what's important to you? Do you know I know where your values are? Just take a look at your schedule. There's no hiding it. That's what's important to you. Well, I can't control this. You can control it, right? You can control it. Maybe there are certain things in your life there's not an immediate answer to. Maybe you can't control today what you have to go do, tomorrow what you have to go do. But if your schedule is different from what you at least want to value in your life, start taking steps to change that. And what you'll see is some Psalm 1, chapter 1, verse 3, When you put your hands to something, you will see it prosper. And if you put your hand to seeing your schedule change to where the things that you at least know that you should value should be popping up a little more often, you'll see the change. And if you say there's no way in the natural right now, just wait, you're not just natural. Don't let that sight become your biggest enemy. Allow the Lord to work, and what is important to you will fill up your schedule. So that's the harsh words from Ama, everybody's grandma and the whole church, Pastor Diane, you can't tell me this is important to you if it's not on your schedule. You'll make time for what's important. So whether it's just busyness of this life, schedule conflicts, being offended, so many believers think this thing about church or assembling together, I don't need that. Some of it stems from wrong understanding or wrong teaching. Some people have grown up being taught, if you don't go to church, you're not saved. If you don't go to church, God is displeased with you. And that kind of makes people usually run the other way. You know, when you add to the word, it is never a good thing. You might think, I'm going to add a little bit to the word to help keep this kid in line. If you mess up, you know, God's not happy with you. And the word does not say that. But I know parents who will tell their kids, you want to make God frown? then go watch that movie, right? You want God, just where you want to be when Jesus comes back? You want to be watching this movie when Jesus comes back? You want to be listening to that song when Jesus comes back? Listen, I get what they're saying, right? I wish people would just say, hey, that's not a great thing to put into your ears. That's not a great thing to let into your eyes. Don't add to the word and act like God is mad at you for making a mistake. No, God loves you. And he's not mad at you. Does he want the best for you? Absolutely. Does he want you to fill your mind up with all that junk? He doesn't. But there's a difference between him knowing what's best for you and him being angry with you. He's not angry with you. He loves you. He wants to, Don't add to the word. When people add to the word and say, you don't go to church, you're not saved, that makes people run away. Yeah. We don't go to church because we have to as Christians. We don't go to church to make God smile. He doesn't frown when you miss right? But if we tell people the truth, going to church is like water for your soul when you're in the right place. Going to church is where I personally find more encouragement than anywhere else in my life. Is is rubbing shoulders and being close and having conversations with with all of you. And I'm going to get to this, but the Word actually talks about this. You won't find anywhere in the Word where it says, God is happy with you if you assemble, but you will find this scripture in Hebrews that talks about why we should assemble, why we should get together like this. Sometimes you hear the first part, but you don't hear the rest. Everybody probably can quote this, especially if we've all uh, made it through COVID and shutdown. You probably heard this a lot don't forsake the assembly of yourselves. That's a great verse. I agree with it, but let's read around it and find out why Paul is writing to the Hebrew church don't forsake the assembly. You ready for this? Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is." But exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. So I know that's King James language. I want to break it down a little bit and go line by line here because there is so much in these three verses. Here we go. Hold fast to our, uh, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. We can stop right there. Easier said than done, right? Hey, hold fast to the profession of your faith when the world says life is going this way but the word says no it's going that way hold fast to your profession and don't be afraid to boldly say no i don't agree with this this is where i stand this is my standard as a believer and this is the profession of my faith you know it's i've heard preachers famous preachers recently talk about how oh You you know, I think whatever religion you are, it all leads to the same place. And I'm sorry, that's not what the word says. We're going to stand on the word. We're going to hold fast to the profession of our faith, even when the world starts to call it um, uh, offensive, offensive. It's offensive that you're saying this, even though I believe that. If we don't live in a world or a country where we can say what we believe, even if it hurts somebody else's feelings, then Well, things are changing fast, but we still do live in a place where we are allowed to hurt people's feelings. Sometimes holding fast to the profession of our faith means somebody's feelings are going to be hurt. Again, don't forget, Jesus was a lot of things. He was not non-confrontational. Man, he said, I come, and what I'm bringing sometimes is going to be a sword that divides mother and daughter. It's going to be a sword. He talked a lot about love, acceptance, and peace, but sometimes he's like, I'm not going to waver from what I'm saying. Just because it's going to offend somebody, right? So hold fast to the profession of your faith, even when the entire world is saying, no, no, don't say that. It's offensive. Don't say that. It's wrong. Easier said than done. These situations come up. We'd all like to think I'm going to hold fast during that moment, right? But sometimes it's different in the moment. But here we go. Paul is starting this off by saying, hold fast to the profession of faith and not waver and not waver. He's not going to leave us hanging there. He's going to tell us how we're going to get to that. And not only that, though, not only hold fast to the profession of your faith. Here's the next verse. For he is faithful that promised, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. So not only, not only do I need to hold fast to my own profession of faith, not only do I need to speak without wavering, not only do I need to speak boldly what I believe based on the word, I also need to be aware of others around me and provoke other people to love. I also need to provoke other people to good works. How am I going to have capacity for all this? When I'm focused on this first line, I'm focused on I don't want to waver from the profession of my faith. As I'm focused, I mean, I'm a a guy and I know a lot of guys in here, not all of us, but most of us probably are really good with one thing at a time. I'm really good with one thing at a time, right? Lisa... Her mind is doing 14 things at once, and and she doesn't do any of them the way I would do them, right, at all. But at the end of the day, all 14 of those things will be accomplished somehow. I don't know how it happens. It does, but I, I can put my focus and attention on one thing at a time, and then once I check my list off, I can go to item Number two, that's the way my mind works. I know that's the way a lot of guys' mind works. So if I'm focused on this thing, holding fast to my own profession, how am I going to be aware enough to multitask and at the same time provoke you guys to love one another, provoke you guys to good works? Again, Paul's not going to leave us hanging. Let's keep reading. For he is faithful that promised, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Here we go, the answer, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. He has given you the answer. He's saying, do you want to hold fast to your profession of faith? Do you want to have a chance and do you want to provoke others to love and to good works? Do you wanna know how to do it all? Well, here's a good start. Don't forsake the assembly of of yourselves. Don't forsake these moments. Lisa and I taught a message years ago to the youth group. We, had, we used to type out our, our messages and have little points, and we used clip art. Uh, if you remember clip art, it was before internet access. And we would use clip art, and we had this message. I just dug it up recently, and it's a horrible title. It, the title of this message was when you don't go to church, you get weird. That was the title of our message to the youth group. And uh, I thought it was a great title. You know, it's like a, a, a nice headline. When you don't go to church, you get weird. And obviously there's exceptions to these rules, but I got to be honest. When somebody walks in the door and and uh, they, they tell me something to the nature of, you know, i, I this has happened before. Don't, don't think I'm just making something up. Like they haven't been to church in, in 25 years, but like that day the Lord told them to come to our church and they have a word for us. I'm like, why don't you just tell me, right? And if I need to tell the church, I'll tell the church. No, I have a word for the church. No, because honestly, you got weird. You locked yourself away for 25 years and you got weird. And people get weird when they stay away from this. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. You want to get super dull and super weird? Stay away from the other iron, right? You have We sharpen each other. We keep each other sharp. And when people pack themselves away, when they become isolated, you got a big chance that you're going to get weird. But Paul is saying in Hebrews, assemble together. Don't forsake this. And, and don't forget, he's not writing this, to the church in America, right? If he was, it'd be relevant. This is the word, and when he says, don't forsake the assembly, we can apply that to ourselves. But he is writing this to a church that assembling together meant possible persecution, possible death even. There were Christians getting fed to the lions in Rome simply because they professed Jesus. So this is Paul writing to a church, and he's saying, yes, it might get you fed to the lions, but hold tightly to your profession of faith. Yes, it might get you dragged out into the streets and stoned to death, but keep assembling and provoke each other to love and to good works. We're reading this as the church in America where maybe there is persecution out there. There is. I'm not saying there's not. But at least as of right now, I can't imagine anybody in here right now is afraid that being here this morning is going to get you drugged out into the street and stoned to death. Maybe if we, if, if we publicly declare some of the things we believe, we might get some people online saying, you're a bigot, you're, uh, you, you are this, you're that, I don't agree with you, Whatever. That is a type of persecution, but I don't think anybody in here is afraid that being here this morning is going to get us killed. Yet we got millions of Christians, and I mean it, in the U.S. that read this line or at least know it or they just completely ignore it. And there's things in their life, there are moments that simply assembling together, man, would bring so much victory. Hold tight to the profession of your faith provoke each other to love and to good works. How? Don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But, this is back to the text, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So when we're together, we exhort one another. That means encourage each other. We encourage each other as we're together. I mean, I have conversations outside of the pulpit every Sunday where I leave encouraged. And I love encouraging people. If you need some encouragement, I'm just going to say this. Come find me and talk to me. I promise you, guaranteed, you'll leave that conversation encouraged. I just know it's a gift I have. The Bible uh, talks about when knowing who you are in Christ. I've said this before here, but Humility is, is, uh, we get a great lesson here in being who you are. The Bible says Moses was the most humble person in the world and Moses is the person that wrote that. So what we see from that is that true humility is not saying I'm nothing. True humility is saying this is who I am in Christ. This is Moses, of course, was before Jesus. This is who I am in the spirit. This is the gift God's given me, humility. I'm telling you, this is the gift the word has given me, encouragement. If you need encouragement, come find me, you will leave encouraged. There's lots of other people. Most likely, there's someone sitting beside you. And if you talk to them and open up, you'll leave that conversation encouraged as well. So from these three verses, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves. Why? Here's three reasons. It will help you hold tight to the profession of your faith without wavering. Two, It will be the place where you and the person sitting next to you provoke each other to love and to good works. And three, you will find encouragement. So chances are, if you have not felt encouraged in your life, if you have not been able to hold tightly to your profession of your faith, if you back down in those moments, I guess the way I see it, either you are maybe not quite coming here uh, with with full attention, right? Maybe you're here and and you're not paying attention. I know um, I I can't help but notice some people um, like to walk the halls a little bit more than maybe sit in church sometimes, right? Uh, I don't know. Maybe you got a little, you can't sit still. Maybe you got an overactive bladder. I don't know, but that can get healed. All I'm saying is if you're here at our church and you're not getting encouraged and you're not uh, you're not being provoked to love and to go works. I'm just going to say, you might not be listening. If you are new to our church and you're like, I've never had this experience in church, then I'm sorry, but maybe you've you've never been in the right wine. I don't know. Maybe you've never found the community where people are going after the Holy Spirit together, going after the presence of God together. But the good news is you're here today, and that means I believe you found a place. So stick with us, even through some tension Things might not be perfect all the time, but man, humanity is not perfect. We got the Holy Spirit inside of us and we can work through things. And as we work through stuff, I'm telling you, you will be provoked to love, to good works in moments that are hard. I mean, just think about, think about just just the, in the natural, when there's a moment and you are tempted to not hold tight, To the profession of your faith, does it not help you to think, listen, if this person I'm about to talk to hates me, I got a whole community around me I know that loves me, right? This isn't the make or break of my life right here, this person standing in front of me. I got a community. I got a family at FCG. I got a family at my church that is going to hold me up if somebody else is trying to tear me down, no matter what happens in this moment, I'm going to hold tight. I know I got a whole community that's going to back me. Man, that's this place. That's, that's churches that are really doing it right. We're not the only ones doing it right. There's some other really, really great ones. If you're listening to this online or something, man, I hope you find one. Um, but man, participate in the local body. Don't forsake the assembly of yourself. I guess that's a good way to say what I was saying. If you're in a great church and you're not holding tight to the profession of your faith, if you're not provoking or feel provoked to love, to good works, if you're not feeling encouraged, man, begin to participate in that community. Begin to participate in things that are happening. Maybe uh, during the worship, listen during the message. I don't know. Take some notes. Get to know somebody. Have somebody over to your house for dinner. Take somebody out to lunch. Participate in the community and in the assembly together and watch these three things happen. This is the word. I'm telling you, if you need encouragement, this is for you. And it's like people knew this even before Hebrews was written. David wrote this in Psalm 133, Psalm 133, verse 1. I bet 50% of the church knows it by heart. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. If you've never felt pleasant in an assembly, then maybe it wasn't unity or maybe you were not in unity. I don't know. But you have a chance now to do it differently you have a chance to take a step forward. If you already are doing that, I do. We we experience a lot of unity here, and, and I know me personally. I don't. I've never left here on a Sunday and thought, well, that wasn't good and pleasant, right? I, I I mean, I have, but it's been a long, long time. Boy, I could tell you some stories. I could tell you a lot of stories, right? But it's been a long time since I've left here and thought that was not good and pleasant, right? Even those times, we laugh about them now because you know. Just things happen sometimes. Man, one time this guy did this play here, and it turned into him. I'm not joking. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. But all I'm going to tell you is a Sunday morning. Just imagine this happened on a Sunday. I want you to imagine. It's going to make you squirm in your seat. This guy was leading this play, and he had a sword, and it was a real sword. And he left the script of the play and went off script, and he ended up holding the sword to our associate pastor's neck, his name was Kent, and he screamed, what's that, Jesus? You want to know why Pastor Kent hasn't brought anybody to church lately? I don't know. Ask him. And that all came out before we could stop him, right? Thank God that's all it was. It was the most unpleasant, awkward thing I've ever seen in my life. That dude didn't come back much after that. We, I, I was younger, but I, I know my dad talked to him. But can you imagine that happening ever? I was hoping it was part of the play. It wasn't. It wasn't. He went off script and he thought he was hearing from the Lord, and he also wasn't. Uh, that was pretty weird. That did not seem good and pleasant. But that hasn't happened in a long time. We have a very good and pleasant place here. I'm kind of glad it happened, honestly. It's just really funny to think about now. But, you know, what, what, even things you go through in life that are hard, when you have a community... Uh, just like I talk about community in a smaller context, family. When your family loves one another and you have a strong family unit, things in life are so much easier to go through. And on a larger scale than family, a church community makes things that you go through in life so much. I know this sounds crazy, but even we've lived this, our, our church, our family, even through heavy seasons of grief, like when we lost my dad, there were so many good and pleasant things and moments within this grief that we walked through together. And even though we had lost somebody, we left these moments encouraged. And you know, we didn't just act like nothing happened. There were Sundays where our church literally cried together, right? And then laughed together about stuff he did. We went through these emotions together And we left these moments encouraged. And through losing somebody, my dad, your pastor, somebody's best friend, right? Even through this season of loss, we held tightly to the profession of our faith. And it wasn't because any one of us was just that strong. It's because we didn't forsake the assembly. Two days after he passed away, we were in here having church. It wasn't a religious obligation. We had a church that wanted to be together two days after he died. My family wanted to be here two days after he passed away because it helped us hold tightly to the profession of our faith. I stood up here two two days after he passed away and said, listen, God heals. I don't know why he passed away, but here's what we know, God heals. And when somebody comes in with a heart problem, we're gonna pray for him. And we're going to see him healed. And I'm telling you, just a few weeks after he died, we saw somebody have three discs in her back grow back. That doesn't happen. She had discs that were gone. They reappeared. We saw somebody get healed of an ear, uh, an ear issue that she had for ten years. On the spot. Here we are, seven years later. She's still no problems whatsoever. We saw people healed miraculously, days after he passed away. Why? Because we didn't forsake the assembly and we held tightly to the profession of our faith because we provoked each other to love and to good works, even though we were going through tragedy, even though we were experiencing grief, because we encouraged one another. And you know what? There wasn't one family, there wasn't one person. They ended up running away saying, I just don't understand why this bad thing happened to somebody that was good. God is just not telling the truth. I don't believe him anymore. Not one person said that. Not one person said, I'm done with this. That result wasn't what we were believing for. We held tightly to the profession of our faith. We stayed encouraged. We provoked each other to love and to good works because we didn't forsake the assembly. It is one of the most important things we can do in life, apart from saying yes to Jesus and receiving salvation, I mean, the next thing after somebody gets saved, the next thing I'm going to talk to them about is not going to be, "Hey, you're saved now. Let's let's stop getting drunk every night." The next thing I say to somebody is not, "Hey, you're saved now. Let's uh, put away all, all, all the pills and the addictions." I'm not the first. The next thing I'm going to say to somebody that gets saved is not. All right, here's now your list of do's and don'ts as a Christian. Somebody gets saved. The very next thing I'm going to say is, man, come to my church. Come be a part of this community because that's what's going to help that person hold tightly to the profession of their faith. It's not a religious duty. It's not a rule. It's not written out in black and white, thou must go to church. No, but it is a benefit that keeps us going. It is like saying no. It's like having a bank account with a billion dollars in it and never going and making a withdrawal from it. Just letting it sit there and living like you're broke. No, it is a benefit where there are countless other benefits that come from assembling together. And I'm telling you, the ones that wrote the Bible, the guys that were under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit writing these words knew that. And the Holy Spirit through them said so much about how important this is. Amen? Man, let's all stand together. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. So next week, I already kind of have my my outline for next week. In fact, I had it in today's notes, fully knowing I probably wasn't going to get to this. But I'm going to give you a preview. As we gather, one of the ways that we provoke each other to love, to good works. One of the ways we get encouraged, one of the ways we hold tightly to the profession of our faith is because as we gather, we remember and we remind each other of God's faithfulness, right? I can look out in this congregation right now and I can talk about miracles that have happened in so many of your lives that encourage me right now just to think about. We've talked about it, we've discussed it. Not only that, but if you're going through something and we're able to talk and I'm able to encourage you, one of the things I'm going to do is remind you of what the word says. Remind you that God's got you out of things before and that he's the same God. So next week, we're going to start something I'm really excited about. I already mentioned this once, but I thought I'd be able to get to at least the first part today. But starting next week, we are going to talk about all the names of God in the Bible because they all hold so much meaning. They all, it's several names that you have for the Lord in the word. And as we remember his faithfulness, and we're going to do this over the next couple weeks by talking about each of these names, and it's going to encourage you. And I'm telling you, we're going to talk about Jehovah Rofi, our healer. And when a sickness tries to come against you, you're going to remember, man, at church, we talked about the names of God and how he is our healer. And I believe you're going to find revelation and, and find victory and breakthrough over sickness and, and over uh, all kinds of other things. So that's what we're going to do over the next two weeks. In the meantime, man, dwell on this scripture. Dwell on this. Go home and read Hebrews. Read this for yourself. Is Pastor BJ just trying to get the church filled with people or does the word really say that assembling has this many benefits? Go read it for yourself. Read the book of Hebrews. And read it in context. We read this as Americans, knowing that we have a choice every day if we want to do this or not. And there's, in the natural, not really any more consequences for going to church than not going to church. But boy, he's writing these things to people that knew there was a price to pay, possibly, if they gathered together. Yet, he said, listen, this is worthy of risking your life. Think about this. When the Apostle Paul, this is how I'm closing here. When the Apostle Paul says, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves. He's writing to this particular church in this particular time. And their question might have been, Paul, is it actually worth risking our lives to assemble together? Here's the answer. Yes. Yes. It's worth risking your life because it's going to help you hold tightly to your profession of faith. It's going to allow you to provoke others to love and to good works. It's going to give you a chance to be provoked to love and to good works. And you're going to be encouraged. And it's worth risking your life. And that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your instruction even that you give us on how to stay encouraged, how to hold tightly to our faith, not to hide our faith under anything, but just let let it shine, letting letting it be the light that guides us. We're so grateful. We love you so much. Amen. Okay, so let's, as we close, let's respond to the word with a few minutes of worship.